0: Season's gonna end on a double doink. 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 Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know idea. <laughs> Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh, <laughs> prognosis. Yeah, I take
1: <laughs> serious. Osmosis. Was it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing, it Yeah. It's
0: not funny. It's not fu- Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah. I don't
1: know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. Doctor is now
0: in.
2: And a beautiful Tuesday to you. Oh, that's a terrible Tuesday. Make up your mind. Is it beautiful? Or is it terrible? It's terrible. It's beautiful outside, but it's it's terrible for us in the sporting world because we get to vent our frustrations.
3: Some beautiful things are terrible too. Hmm. Name one. I, I I have a couple of X's that, that fit both bills. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do we have pictures to show for that? Uh, that's a that's bur- buried I, away. I, I didn't have cell phones back then. This is true. I didn't take pictures when I went to the 84 Olympics. You think I got pictures of them? Oh, this is ancient time. Okay. <laughs> Where's your Polaroids? Never saved your Polaroids? Not really. Yeah. I moved too many times. Yeah. I used to save my Sports Illustrated, but not, not pictures of anybody.
2: Vagabond Frank in the house here today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there it is.
3: one point, I had seven years of Sports Illustrated in the backseat of my old Dodge Coronet 500 my I'm first so ever sure. car
2: i can picture this i think a lot of our listeners could probably picture this as well too yes i know we had this discussion about uh, old sports illustrated sport magazine there was another one right but a lot of si's baseball cards that sort of thing that uh, you know how many of us hung on to those things i try to hang on to a lot of the stuff but not all of it made it throughout the several moves that i've made
3: yeah, it would make a move here and there or something like that. And I, I used to have a ton of albums. Man, I wish I had those old, old, old albums.
2: Well, that's one thing I did keep, my friend. I think I got about 2,000 plus that I have throughout, you know throughout the country. It'd, I have kept my albums and my 12 inches and most of my 45s.
3: It'd be interesting for me to go through your album collection and see how many things we would have had in common. I would probably say 10%. Probably ten percent,
2: I'm thinking. Well, I mean that'd
3: be if it's if it's ten percent, if I would have had ten percent of your stuff, then that would have I mean, that'd be two hundred albums. Or are you saying ten percent of what I had would match what you Well,
2: had? that's a good point. I'm I'm just saying in general of what yeah, I but, have. Well no, but I'm saying if yeah. you have
3: two thousand albums, ten percent, that's two hundred albums.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh there's some forty fives that'd be mixed in there too. Yeah. You know, some one hit wonders and things of that nature. But so you gotta remember, I mean, I was I was a rock guy, I was a pop guy, then of course I was a big R&B funk guy, and a lot of the stuff that I held on to were a lot of the, not only in my albums that, that that I bought when I was younger, but as a DJ, I belonged to a, a DJ club where you know you would pay a monthly fee and they would send you the records for you to play at the nightclubs and all that yeah, sort of okay, thing. Yeah, okay, so yeah. So most of the like were Yeah, like promo copies pages. and that sort exactly, of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, like so, the radio
3: station, not for resale, and that it exactly, would be right on the thing. Yeah. Exactly,
2: And so I would get those a lot before they re- would release them. And so at that point in time, I'd say, okay, I think this is going to be a hit, or I think I could play this in a club and that sort of thing. So you basically yeah.
3: did rate a record for yourself before it was on an American Correct. bandstand.
2: Correct, very nice, very, very nicely done. <laughs> now, I can tell you that how many records that I have, threw away that I discarded, that I thought okay, this is garbage, this is no good and like one of those was one we were talking about with uh, Brian Salmon, remember that Rappin' Duke uh-huh. And, and, and that one went definitely went in the in the garbage. Did you have right side, Fred? I'm too sexy. Did you throw that away? <laughs> I, I I I kept that. I think uh, for a while.
3: You know what I'm saying. That because... song was garbage,
2: and yet it. But but it it, it was so corny that it caught on. Yeah, right. But there were a lot of ones like that. So when you brought up madness last week, madness is one of those ones. So I would incorporate. The madness is part of my ten percent that you would like, and of course I had the Elton Johns, I had the Beatles, okay. I had the Rolling Stones. You know, I had I had a lot. You know, Leonard Skinner, yeah. the Zeppelin's. You know, I had all that. So that's why I'm thinking the ten percent. Okay. But then again, you know, I, I I had the Parliament, the Funkadelics, and you know, the Brass Construction. the BT some Expresses, stuff. Lot, tons of Motown Cause, stuff. Because
3: I because I'm a big Motown guy. So
2: now we're up to maybe fifteen to twenty percent. I'm a big Motown. Love yeah. Motown. See so there you go. So and like I said, you like Earth Wind and Fire and the yeah. Commodores. Yeah. I mean.
3: I didn't Thanks. necessarily have their album than that, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I had a friend who had a jukebox, and yeah. I, I used to buy some of the 45s that would bring in, them, you know. Was like, you know, uh, Tears of a Clown, Smokey and the Miracles. I mean, yeah, we, uh, I, I, I helped him, uh, you know, get a nice eclectic mix in there.
2: Right, right. You know, wh- one of the first songs, that, uh, one of the first records that I ever got is one I think that, that you would definitely be part of your 20%. Uh, okay. And that was uh, Dr. John. Here we go, look at this. Remember this one? Right place, wrong time. Yeah, I remember it. Okay, it's gonna be you a little bit, right? I mean, it it wasn't right in my wheelhouse.
3: <laughs> I, I, I don't think I had this particular record. You didn't have that I mean, one? I would yeah. hear when I would listen on the radio. I you know. Yeah, sometimes I'd listen, sometimes I would. It's funny because Doctor John, Doctor Hook, there was a lot of doctors back then. There was exactly yeah.
2: <laughs> not to be confused with Doctor Johnny Fever. Yeah, this was the jam. This is it. Not even a jam. I mean, this is like this was a bona fide rock song, and it crossed over into pop. And it wasn't until later years that I realized that this was you know that Doctor John was really blues. And he was in Blues Brothers 2000, by the way.
3: Well, and the interesting thing about music back then was a lot of it did mix over, and it yes. you know, I mean, you'd hear something on the R and B station and the phone yep. station, and then the rock station, mm-hmm. and the you know, then the light hits or whatever they called it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that that crossed over an awful lot when people didn't look at color or just try to pigeonhole everything and put it in a box and say this is what this is, right?
2: Well, this is definitely not Terrible Tuesday material, this is it? Pump up Dr. Shaw one time right here. Yeah! Look at has got a little groove going, too. One day, we just got to do an all-music show. We're going to do two hours. Oh, wait a minute. Dougie Duwop does that, doesn't he? No, we'll blow Dougie off away. I may even bring Dougie Doop in for one segue. You'd be down for it. We should do a one-day, a two-hour, and we will mix our favorites and our genres together. That sounds cool. You'd be down for and that. Instead
3: right? of being Dougie Do Wop, we can be uh, T. Sam Ballpark Do Right. That's,
2: That's it. That's it. And we should do that before we get into the football season. I'm saying we do that one day in August. Are we down for that? Nunchuck's going to have a lot of work to do, though. But he's good with it. All right. All right. Terrible Tuesday.
0: It's
1: Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Gone wrong in the
0: sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world.
2: I mean, if we did that music thing, that'd be definitely a terrific Tuesday. Or we just make it like a, a funky Friday. Could be a miracle Monday if we're going to play some smoky. very nice. Exactly. All right. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about this U.S. women's soccer team. And we touched upon it yesterday, but I, I still got a little venom in my system from this, you know? I mean, losing to Canada. I actually did watch the game on the replay last night. It, it wasn't really aesthetically pleasing like any of these games for U.S. women's soccer. Canada wins 1-0. Uh, the game-winning goal was that penalty kick. What did you which, think of the call? I thought it was very suspect, but here's the problem that I have with this Olympic coverage. I didn't get a chance to see enough replays, and, and they went to a break when it happened, and then they came back, and we saw the, the VTR review, yeah, the, of the VAR, box, the VAR. The, VAR. the VAR review, there you go, and then they tried to show a replay, and then like it skipped ahead. It was like, I want to see this. I want to see it again.
3: I watched it later night and and I was and I knew that it was around the seventy minute mark because I knew the goal was at seventy five. So I kept on kind of going back to see when it was there, and then I did see it. And I will give the Canadian girl credit. She hustled. I think she knew she didn't really have a play on it. She sold it. But she was trying to make something happen. She sold it. She did get kicked. And as the announcer said, by technical rule, it was a penalty. Mm And it was just on the very outer, outer line of the box. I mean, to get a penalty kick for that, I think is questionable. But if you're going directly by the,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. the rule of law, it was actually the right call. And we've seen soccer referees, whether it's international, World Cup, anything, uh, they are very lenient with this sort of thing. And the
3: referee didn't call it.
2: Yeah, it it was the
3: video audio review. It was the VRR that they they reviewed it and they said no. And then she was kind of like,
2: yep penalty kick yeah and i don't know if that would happen in a world cup competition or a euro competition or boy Copa, there'd be you know some screaming if it did there would be you know olympics you know may, maybe so but uh yeah uh, she convert. and i don't want to hear the talk about that the usa had their backup keeper because that keeper was fine and really didn't have anything to do because the united states had 80 percent of the play and talk about mvp was the canadian you know goalkeeper She was outstanding, but USA had time after time after time, not in this match, but throughout this uh, entire tournament, they didn't show up. 36-game uh, unbeaten streak snap. Hadn't lost to Canada since 2001. That's 20 years. USA 62 never... 62 straight games to Thank Canada. Thank you. That's right. Never got <laughs> it going. They looked tired. They looked lethargic. Didn't uh, like the substitution pattern. No, this was terrible. This was a terrible performance. I don't want to you know, hear people blaming no fans. It was too hot there. I mean, that's nonsense. USA was not ready to play. They got their best shot from everybody else, so... Yeah, uh, this was a terrible, disgusting performance by the USA Women's Soccer wouldn't surprise team. me if they
3: don't win the bronze, really. I, mean, I, I agree. I, I think they yeah. will come back, but, but boy, I'll tell you what, this team is completely dysfunctional, too. You don't get the sense that they really like each other. Right. You just kind of get the sense they want to get this Olympics over, just take their jets and fly home, and...
2: A lot of these girls might not see each other again. I agree. I agree with that. Again, the, the hunger level definitely wasn't there. You can see, been there, done that. You know, won these gold medals, you know, before. I mean, you know, some have, you know, you know, three and four gold medals. Some have, you know, multiple gold medals. And, yeah, just uh, very bad. All right, transitioning that over to Simone Biles, her Olympic career is likely over. And, and I think so. I know she's 24 right now. So at 24, I mean, you really – You're no different than Megan Rapinoe basically at 36 in soccer when you're talking to gymnastics because these girls are – they're teenagers. I mean – To be
3: a medal contender, yeah. Correct. There's a woman from Romania who – competed in Rio who was like 36 or something mm-hmm. but she was there just for the aesthetics and to say that she right. was still an, a, a right. Romanian Olympian. She she wasn't contending for anything except personal pride.
2: But with Simone Biles I mean literally this has been a miserable Olympics for her and I'm, and I'm not talking about in performance wise miserable in her mind uh, what she's had to deal with, uh, with you know the pressure the lack of confidence all started last week as she withdrew from the team final then she wanted to take a couple of days to to rethink what she was going to do individual competition wise she withdrew from the floor from four individual events the all around the vault the uneven bars the floor exercise but she did decide to compete in the balance beam which was last night she made that decision she says hey i'm doing it for me she finished third she got a bronze medal but ultimately, very, very disappointing uh, Olympics, uh, you know, for Simone Biles. And I, I got to believe that this is it for her.
3: I would think that it's it for a national competition and that. I mean, you can't say for certain. It is only three years instead of four before the next Olympics. But like you said, she'll be 27. That is ancient for, for that particular uh you know what she does that sport, I, yeah. I I know uh, uh Suni Lee who won the all around and also won a uh, another medal on the uh, I believe it was the, the the parallel bars and then uh Jade Carey who won the The floor exercise, you know, they're both, they were excited. I heard them getting interviewed. They're going off to college, one to Auburn, one to either Oregon or Oregon State up there. I know they're going. So, you know, they're excited about the rest of their lives and their careers. But, yeah, Simone, I mean, she did get the bronze. Kudos to her for that. It was a watered-down performance. She took a couple elements out, including the twisting element on Mm -hmm. her dismount to make it easier and just do a straight double back. And they talked to some other Olympians about the twisties and that, too. And I've watched gymnastics for a long, long time, going way back to Olga Corbett when she, you know, shocked. The world I think in 72 yeah and uh you know, 76 but, yeah. yeah but but I had never really heard of the twisties and I did I mean apparently this is a well-known thing and sometimes it gets in your head so hopefully she'll be all right I don't feel sorry for Simone Biles but uh you know she like you said it was disappointing but she did enough getting a medal so the one nice thing was it let the other athletes on the gymnastics team shine a little bit more make names for themselves And every single girl on the team did get at least one medal.
2: Yep, USA Women uh, in Gymnastics, six medals overall. Uh, That is probably below what people were expecting or they wanted. But uh, that is what it is, is the women's side basically comes
3: to a close. Well, you know, one thing that I want to come to a close soon, and I know that you're on the same page with this, is Conor McGregor's fighting career. And I don't know if you see what he did recently, but I always kind of liked Conor. I mean, yeah, you know, he's, he's a soundbite. He's this and that. You know, he's entertaining to certain extents. But what he did recently to me is absolutely reprehensible. It's inexcusable. And if he ever fights again, I hope whoever fights him ends his career permanently. I'm not saying his life or nothing like that. I don't want him mutilated. But Khabib Nurmagomedov recently tweeted out, Good always defeats evil. So what did Connor do in his classy way that he handles things? Now, remember, Khabib's father died from COVID. That's why Khabib put the gloves down and retired. So Connor tweets out, COVID is good and father is evil, question mark. Basically mocking the way that Khabib, saying, well, your father must be evil because COVID defeated him and good always defeats evil. Nirmaga Madoff was absolutely outraged, called it classless, you know, basically really mad. Uh, Daniel Cormier also on the same page. Again, there's fun. It's been taken down since. But you got to think before you hit send. There is no reason to ever do something like that. And to make fun of somebody who lost his father, his coach, his mentor... And the person that essentially he said I'll fight this one last fight and then I'm done forever and the you know it almost seems like Conor's trying to get him back for one more gigantic payday fight and Khabib says he's not falling for it because he's not going to get back in the cage for anything he's training people in that. But I don't know what makes anybody do something like this. And if you are still a Conor McGregor fan, I'm sorry we're completely on the opposite page. I think he's a total scumbag after this move. Well,
2: this is who he is. And you hit the nail on the head. You know how I feel about him. I've never liked his antics. And uh, we saw it again with the Poirier fight. We saw it after the Khabib fight. We saw it after the last fight, you know, when he was on the ground there yelling At uh, Poye's wife, calling her the C-word. This is who he is. Uh, In Brooklyn, you know, taking the dollies and throwing it on the bus. Remember, injuring people, sending people to the hospital where they had glass in their eyes, where they could not compete, they could not fight. This is who he is. He is a selfish person. Knocking out the poor guy sitting in a bar in Ireland. I mean, the list goes on and on to what this guy has done. So for me, this is not surprising at all. And... The one thing you said that you got to think before you hit send, he definitely thought about it. Oh, I, I he agree. He definitely thought about it. because I, I wonder how many people it yes. took to get him to take it down. Yeah. Well, you know, probably Dana White and some other guys that are, you know, close confidence or whatever. But the bottom line is. This is what he's thinking. He's thinking like, yeah, I'm going to get under this guy's skin so bad that he's going to get in the ring with me again. Not that McGregor thinks he can actually beat him, because he can't. He doesn't, because we've seen what what he's done in three of his last four fights. That's never going to happen. He would never beat him, but he's never going to get in the ring because Khabib is smart enough to not lower himself to the classless McGregor. But in McGregor's mind, he's thinking, yes, I'm going to get this guy in the ring, like I said, not because he can beat him, so he can get another big payday because he cannot get any more of these huge paydays fighting Cowboy Cerrone's and other people like that. The only big payday that he could get is against Khabib. Khabib's not going to offer. I love it. I'm with you. Don't want to see the guy fight again. I don't want to hear from the guy again. And, uh, you know, his marketing, the liquor, the, the proper, all that stuff, I'm sick of it. Have this guy go away for
3: good. No, I completely agree. And, and as far as him fighting again, yeah. We know that he doesn't care about wins and losses, that it's all about the Benjamins, because he proved that when he took on Mayweather. I, I don't care what anybody says. There's no way that he was
2: dumb enough to think he was winning that boxing match. Right, right. He, he's there for the money, no doubt about it. And again, I said this after the last fight, that I think it's time for him just to relegate himself to those exhibitions, let those people who are really you know into that nonsense pay for it but just don't don't take up any more prime UFC time because UFC's got some great athletes they got plenty of guys that deserve big paydays and deserve the big stage uh, save those pay-per-views and those you know, those matches for guys that deserve it mcgregor doesn't deserve it anymore right. NFL training camp underway cautious time right now for head coaches Because they have to draw the line on how physical they want their practices to be. Now, this has always been an issue. Uh, The New York Giants had their first padded practice uh, today, and it didn't end very well. So Joe Judge had to intervene in a brawl with his team as it ended after this brawl. It all started on a late hit on running back Corey Clement. Tight end Evan Ingram retaliated on a defensive teammate. And then it was on. And guess who was at the bottom of the pile for the New York Giants? None other than your highly paid and highly selected quarterback, Daniel Jones, was at the bottom of the pile. Joe Judge went ballistic. He was dropping F-bombs, cursing at everybody, immediately ended practice, and said, okay, this is how you guys want to you want to take our, our valuable practice time? I'll tell you what we're going to do. So from here on out, he ends the practice making them do numerous 100-yard sprints, numerous rounds of push-ups, went off of the team again at the end of that, and then called it into practice. Hopefully that they got the message.
3: Several media members at the practice said that when he changed it over, like you said, they took out the contact, they just had him doing... 100-yard dash after 100-yard dash, and then said now doing push-ups. Media members said they were almost like betting or wondering how many people were going to be doing reversals in that, yeah. like it was the uh, hot dog eating contest <laughs> for people that, Reversal be, of fortune. that that shouldn't be in it. Because, yeah, it, it, and I don't blame Joe Judge at all. It's like, look, you want that fire. And, yeah, sometimes you want maybe two guys going at it to, to lift something up. But when the whole team, when the offense is brawling the defense – and your new big star quarterback is down in the bottom of the pile. Could you imagine Joe Judge trying to explain to the media, wait, why is your new young quarterback out for the season?
2: Oh, because his teammates beat the hell out of him. Yeah. And not just the media. How about your ownership? Huh? How about your president, your general manager, the owner of the team? Well, yeah, everybody. Your other coaches. Your, <laughs> the guys that are yeah. paying that money for your for Daniel Jones. But So they asked Daniel Jones afterwards. They go, what are you doing down there? He goes, I'm part of the team. So I mean good for him because he's going to take plenty of hits during the course of the season as we know, took plenty of hits last year as well too. but yeah, this is a real thing. would this even be a story? 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Of course not because this happened all the time and people just sucked it up. practices are not physical anymore. You know, they want to protect their quarterback. You put on the red jersey or whatever your off-color is. In Green Bay, it's the red jersey. You know, uh, other, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, most camps. places have that little red mesh jersey that they all yeah. wear. But if your team yellow color or something. If you're, so, like, yeah. like, if your team color is, is red, then obviously, like, in the 49ers, you're wearing, right. like, a green one and that sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah. Now, we move our way. This is happening everywhere. I mean, it's, it's probably happened here at Raiders training camp as well, too. But. Let's move down the road a little bit in Carolina at Panthers training camp. So they had their first practice in pads as well, too. And uh, reserve safety J.T. Ibe delivered an illegal hit to the head of wide receiver Keith Kirkwood. Now, Kirkwood went into the air attempting to catch a pass for backup quarterback T.J. Walker. He got hit, got laid out on the ground. The hit sent him to the hospital in an ambulance. He was down for quite some time, laid flat on his back. There's a eerily, eerie eerie uh, silence at the practice. Everyone came over. They knelt down on one knee at the the moment that I uh, uh, that uh, uh, the Kirkwood was down there, and then after they they got him, they put him on the plank on the stretcher. The ambulance came. And then they, they drove him to the to the hospital. Put the collar around him Put and the, everything yeah, else. and e- did, you know, everything. Doing all
3: the precautionary Absol-
2: stuff. A- absolutely. I mean,
3: for some older people, if they saw something like that, they'd probably have shades exactly. of Daryl Stingley
2: going all through right. their mind or something. See, you could probably imagine what happened immediately after that. All right? At, at, at that point in time, Matt Rule looked over to Ibe and said, you're cut. And the guy was gone. He lost his job. Uh he, Here's Matt Rule and what he had to say after practice.
3: thought completely unacceptable to do something like that. So uh, there's things, bang, bang plays that happen, and you know guys will hit the ground, but you can't you can't tee off on somebody. So that's not what we'll do. It's undisciplined by us, so
1: it
2: can't happen. All right, and uh, Ibe's comment was, I was so in the moment. I didn't even realize it. I just saw the ball and him, and I wanted to interrupt it. It wasn't me aiming for his head. It was just me trying to jar the ball out he claims you know, he he's not a dirty player he's sorry but uh this is this is the wave i remember a couple instances that we heard at training camp last year same thing guys get hit uh, they're defiant something like that you're gone and he was gone right after this
3: well yeah and, and and you have to you can't have your players targeting each other in a scrimmage your first day with pads and that sort of stuff and i was trying to release the, uh, d- dislodge the ball from them it's a practice it's your first practice Make the tackle. Do something else. You know, maybe even say, hey, you know, you left yourself kind of vulnerable there. I could have really. But you don't go full out. You're not playing in a championship game. I know you're trying to make the team. There but it is. Discretion, yeah. the better yeah. part of valor. And, and I know that the adrenaline is flowing and everything else. But he went from trying to make the team to
2: now he's got to try to find somebody else to even give him a look. Yeah. And this normally happens with rookies. Or maybe second year guys that are, are trying so hard to impress and make the team and they think that, Hey, I'm gonna deliver these big sticks. But again, this is something that you have to know when you go to training camp, okay, run, okay, if you're a receiver or even you know defensive, you know, run your routes, do your coverages, you know, work your tail off. But from the physical aspect, you got to know when to shut it off and cut it off. You just can't lose your mind, and that's what coaches are dealing with. So, speaking of losing their mind, we know Dan Campbell, the coach of the uh, the Detroit Lions. When he got the job, he had that famous press conference, and we played the audio, you know, months and months ago. And uh, so now he's running his first training camp as a head coach. Well, Dan Campbell was talking about the physicality of training camp, and even went back to his playing days.
0: Since we're in first pads, I was thinking about this. I kind of told the team this last night, but so I'll never forget this. I was a rookie. I go to the New York Giants. Howard Cross was, I don't know, 10-year, 11-year-old. He was a tight end. He was huge. Played a long time. Um, but at that time, you know, you just roll out there in pads, like we said. I mean, there's no acclimation. You go. And, and so uh, I'm a rookie, and he says, hey, damn, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. He goes, okay, so when this thing goes down, make sure you got my back. And I was like, what are you talking about? you know, when this thing goes down, I said, what, what what's going down? He said, just have my back, make sure you got my back, you know, And so, and, uh, so it was like first period, you know, team run, and it was like literally the first play, and one of our D linemen just slugs the crap out of our center, and it's all out, it's an all out brawl, <laughs> and I'm looking, there's Howard, and I'm like, somebody's on his back, you know, and so, I'm running over there, and you know, you're grabbing. You're, you're just trying to get involved, but yet you don't. You don't really want to be in there and fight in the middle of all of it. That's not what I'm looking for. That was the point of the story. That's not what I'm looking for, guys. You know, you don't need the extra coffee now with the pads on. So normal coffee today, and um, next cup of coffee will be out there when we we do team runs. So normally, what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go, to, you know, Starbucks to get two venti of the Pike with two shots in him, So, black eye in both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day.
2: <laughs> Dan Campbell. He's going to give us these sound bites, I think, all year long. Until the Lions start being the Lions and start losing again, but you, you got the sound effects and all this other stuff. Going back to his days with the Giants, talking about Howard Cross, and then talking about the coffee today. Uh, how do you feel? If you're a player, do you want to play for a guy like that?
3: Well, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, it's it, you know he's old school on that, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's, as long as you're not injuring your own players and going overboard. I remember when, again, a lot of people don't even know this name, but Abe Gibran, when he was the coach of the Bears, and he would have him do goal line stands and that sort of stuff, like before games, during the week of practices, and that, and players were dropping on the IR all over the place, and finally some of the players went up and they said. Dude, you're having us kill ourselves before the games. We don't have enough players to play the games. That old school way, you know, Bear Bryant, Woody Hayes are gone. That was a way of doing things, but you've got to be a little smarter and more judicious. And oh, by the way, like you mentioned before, owners, these guys are big money investments today. You're running a fine line if you're doing that kind of stuff and somebody does get hurt. Who drinks that much coffee, though? Who drinks that much caffeine my every mom, day? My mom used to. Yeah. Oh my! My mom drank more coffee than I drink Coke. <laughs> there you go, the caffeine kids. All <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, I think I touched on this with you a little bit off air the other day, but uh, I've been watching a lot of the Olympics, and I've been watching some of the beach volleyball, and in women's beach volleyball, Sarah Spansol and Kelly Claus. We're playing the Canadian duo in the round of 16. So the winner goes on to the round of eight. Loser. Their Olympics is over. In a crucial third game, because remember, in the third game in beach volleyball, it only goes to 15, not the 21 like it does in the other games. So Canada's got a 12-11 lead. The USA is serving. Sarah Sponsal hits a serve, and it's called out. Well, the USA is like, no, it's good. So they challenge, and they use the replay. So they review it, the judges look, they show the replay, and it looks like it just touched the back of the line. So they reverse it. USA gets the call. It's an ace. So it's 12-12. Okay. That's it. It's third set. That's it. So yeah, two points away for somebody to win. You do have to win by two. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're still not serving. The Canadians ask for a review of the review. Ah, they're challenging the challenge. And so the same people that just did the review, the Canadians go, well, here's the spot, here's the ball spot. And the ball spot was out, but, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. the ball spot makes the indentation in the sand, but, you know, the the ball flattens out a little bit. So then they overturned their own review, and they gave it to the Canadians. Now they're up 13-11. They're serving. The USA team goes, what the heck is going on? They're kind of complaining and screaming. They get a yellow card. Told if they don't show up, they're going to get a point deduction. So they go back, completely disoriented. Canada serves, they win a point. Another point, game over. End of the Olympics for one of the medal favorites from the USA going forward. The Canadian team gets a big upset. I'm not not the biggest fan of review. It takes too long. They still don't get it right a lot of the times. If they got it right all the time, I'd be much more forward. And if it didn't take so long. But how can you do a review and say it's this way and then the same people look at Oh, you know what? After further
2: review, our first review was wrong. And maybe USA should have challenged that. Maybe they you know they had another challenge. Challenge the challenge of the challenge. Think about that. I was thinking about that, but yeah. I don't know if they had another challenge or not. <laughs> this is ridiculous. What you when you're describing here is Munich 1972. USA Russia basketball all over again. We're going to put three seconds on the clock? We're going to put ten seconds on the clock? We're going to put one second on the clock? Let's take it out again. We're going to do it Alexander like... Baylov again. Wait, wait, no, 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 wait. Can we do it again? No? Everyone rushes the floor. It's over. It's done? No. Don't accept the silver medals. Doug Collins still sticks in his craw. It still uh, still stick in his craw. Uh, However, he did come out a while back and say that
3: after that further review, he wishes that they actually would have taken the silver medals because for sure. it's still something good. But, yeah, but, yeah, that was a— those old enough to, uh, of us to remember, yeah. it's like, well, how many chances are they going to get at this? I yeah. think it was the fourth one or whatever when they finally got the bucket. Yeah.
2: Okay, this one counts. And don't forget the inadvertent horn. Da! That goofy horn. That they, oh, just, yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. There it is. There's your Olympic stuff. All right, we've got more Terrible Tuesday stuff a little bit later on uh, as well, so uh, hang tight with that, including, you know how I feel, I love doing my TV stuff. we got more bad TV to talk about. More bad television is coming your way, and I'm not referring to the Olympics as well. So hang tight for that. And a special anniversary that I think you will get a kick out of, Ballpark Frank, as well. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But when we come back, T.J. Reeves from Tampa Bay will join us. We'll talk with him next hour. Chuck Esposito, Station Casinos. We'll talk to him about betting the Olympics and also NFL uh, futures. It is training camp. It is prime time. We're rolling. Terrible Tuesday. (laughs) Who needs an enema
1: when you can tune in to the Dr. T.C. Martin?
2: All right, we love the physicality in training camp, don't we? Well, to a certain degree. We'll see what's happening there in uh, Tampa Bay. If they're ratcheting up a notch or they just, you know, still living the dream from the Super Bowl and singing happy birthday to their
3: quarterback i don't see tom brady on the bottom of a dog pile when the whole team is uh having a brawl
2: yeah you really see tom brady on the bottom of any pile even when it does the qb sneak you know from the half yard line but uh our guy there in tampa bay he is tj reeves <laughs> the buccaneer sideline reporter he is getting in uh in prime form ready to go here tj reeves what's going on my man
1: Always great to be with you especially on a terrible Tuesday from Champa Bay. How are we feeling well, out in the in the
2: desert? You know it's so funny when we do the terrible Tuesdays and uh you know we're having our our production show meeting. Chuck always has your name at the top of the list. You know, he just says, we, You have to have TJ on. It's Terrible Tuesday. I go, Because when you think terrible,
1: Numshuck immediately goes to TJ. It, exactly. He does. It's a knee jerk thing. It's a reflex.
3: You know, do you and TJ have uh, something in common this week, too? What's that? Well, TJ has the twins, and you're about to go see them play the Astros.
2: This is true. <laughs> Very nice. Good guy. <laughs> and, and speaking of which, and I thought about this as- yesterday when we were talking about this. Do you know, I'm, I'm well, I don't know how many people that, uh, you know, are going to be honoring me, but I'm going to have a lot of people honoring me. You know, at that series, did you know? Did you realize that? Define honoring you. What are you talking about? Well, they are going to be what they're what they're wearing is going to be honoring me. Now, come on, guys! A little Jeopardy music here. What are we talking about here? I'll at least have at least what twenty five players and and managers, you know, 30-plus honoring me, and maybe some Twins fans honoring me as well, too, you know, even I don't know how many travel, you know, having a good year. I think I got it. You got it? I think.
1: Yeah. I think I got it. Greg, do you want to venture it? I think I got it, though. No, go for it. He's talking about they're going to be wearing the hat with a T.C. Ah, on it, I believe.
2: Very nice, my friend. There it is. But how do you know that's the hat
1: they're going to wear? Do you have some secret intel on a terrible Tuesday that they're not wearing that old, goofy yeah, the animal- yeah, they see, I, don't, the
2: I don't, you're right, because we never know what anyone wears anymore. Right, well, you're going four right. straight days. There's a good chance they're wearing it one of them.
3: Right.
2: True. <laughs> and the way do you hear the way he said that? You're going four straight days. Like you got animosity because I'm going to four ball games. Does that bother you? I haven't been to
3: four major league ball games in the last four years. Dude, I will take <laughs> you to ball games if you want to venture off with
1: me. <laughs> I I applaud the fact that you're supporting. I know you're there for Dusty and the Astros, but the mere fact that you're showing up at what passes for a game with the Minnesota (laughs) Twins on more than one occasion says uh, something for you or nothing for them or both on a terrible Tuesday.
2: Now, let me say this, my friend. uh, and We had this conversation yesterday, is that I am – a snob. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a seat snob, number one. I'm a food snob, as you guys know. All right. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's movie theaters. It doesn't matter if it's ball games or whatever. But I'm also a team snob when I go to games. I definitely am. I, when I pick out games, I want to go see good opponents. I, I really do. But because of the way the calendar sat and you know, picking out vacation time, trying to get everything in before football season, I was somewhat limited You know, with WNBA, everything that what I could pick and I looked at this weekend, I go, I I, I really don't want to see the twins. I really don't want to see the twins, but you look at it like maybe they can get three out of four victories or four out of four or something (laughs) like that. But I do like going to see, you know, big time games with big time opponents. Of course. Yeah, I mean,
1: you would rather not be going to watch a team that has to have binoculars to see first place in the division, <laughs> but this is the way it goes. I mean, let me give you a perfect example on a terrible Tuesday that I took my father, Thomas Reeves Sr., uh, to the first in-person Rays game that we had been to since the 2019 season, and actually that was the playoff year, the ALDS, against someone's cheating Astros. Uh, we were at games three and four that the Rays won Uh, at Tropicana Field. That's the last time we had been there because there were no fans allowed uh, last year, and this year they had been limiting it at the beginning of the season to only 5,000 people for like the first two months. So when they finally increased it, we went a couple of weeks ago, and we ended up going seeing the Baltimore Orioles. Now, the Orioles are a long-storied franchise, you know, uh, uh, the BGK Frank goes back to the, and you do as well, to Jim Palmer, and like Rick Dempsey, and Eddie Murray, and Cal Ripken, and and the, and the great Baltimore Orioles teams and World Series and Brooks Robinson and blah, blah, blah. Let's still forget Earl Weaver, this, all right, because you, you, you get a this, tirade
2: any time with Earl Weaver.
1: This, this ain't them. This ain't them. <laughs> if, you haven't, if you haven't seen the Baltimore Orioles, first of all, they, they might as well have a lineup of witness protection guys. I even said that out loud when we got to the park and I looked at their lineup. I said, is this the witness protection program here with these guys that they have? So then – the, the people in front of me came and sat down and they're like, oh, the Orioles. So I, and, the one, and the one guy goes, are they any good? I said, they're 31 games under 500, which is hard to do in July to already be 31 under 500. In- unless but your that name, was the case, Unless your name your
2: is the Arizona Diamondbacks.
1: Right. I mean, you have to be really creative and almost try to be that far below 500, only having played 70, 80, 90 games. I mean, that's god awful. And so I, I understand what you're saying. You, you'd rather be there when it's a, you know, a, a rivalry, a, a hated game, a Yankees-Red Sox, a Dodgers-Giants, whatever it is, but, but you've got to have the Minnesota Twins in yeah. your life, and I have the Orioles
3: in
2: my yeah, life. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying? And, you know, when I was going over the schedule to try to find a time to go, because of the division they're in, the Astros, it, there's a lot of Texas Rangers games. And there's another one that not real excited even though there may be a rivalry between the, the Astros and the Rangers. 39-67 yep.
3: doesn't do it for you? Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> exactly, right? You know, especially when I'm talking so you about... Can go on a 15-game win streak
1: and still not be in the yeah. playoffs, absolutely. Frank. Right, yeah.
2: and, uh, and I will say this, <clears throat> because someone on the other end of this conversation is, would be throwing it at us all the time, you know, especially when you're seeing the team with the best record in the American League. In the Houston Astros, yes,
1: currently. So we well. Go. I mean, it's been toggling back and forth because the I thought the Rays had the best record in the, in the American League after Sunday night. They're right there. It neck could and neck be with because
2: the after they lost to to the Giants on Saturday and Sunday, it could yeah. be. Tampa but, Bay sixty six and forty
3: three, and the yes. sixty four and forty two. Ooh, two games ahead
1: in
2: the win column, wow. doctor, I, got, I do believe, I for the you. Rays
1: after brooming the Astros.
2: The Astros got you in the lost uh, brooming so. the Red Sox. I'm so sorry, here's what I want, TJ. I will be going back for a playoff uh, game or series, okay? If they do, I, I want a commitment from you right now. If they play the Rays, I want you coming to Houston... And we're meeting in Houston. Actually, we'll do the show from Houston as well, too. Can I get that no, commitment from you? No, 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 you? no.
1: Wait, wait, wait. If we're negotiating terms live on the T.C. Martin show on a terrible Tuesday, mm-hmm. I have come to Vegas on a road game already. And I can tell you right now that BGK Frank can testify that I was sitting right there with him. A nunchuck was right there 10 feet away. I came to you. I, this is like a home-and-home home in college football. So if the Astros and the Rays are playing you got to venture to Champa Bay, brother, and return the home game at this point in the playoffs. If we're doing this, you're doing this here if they're in the playoffs against each other. I'm just throwing down the gauntlet on a terrible Tuesday.
2: Okay, let's, let's uh, look at the gauntlet here. I put up my right hand, Minute Maid Park. I put up my left hand, and I got the other bad orange juice, Tropicana <laughs> Field. You know as well as I do, and Ballpark knows just like two that there's a big difference between these two stadiums. So if I have a choice to go and travel an additional, what, 1,500 miles past Houston, (laughs) why would I do that, especially when I've got You know, home field advantage with my guy Dusty and access to to tickets and that sort of thing. Unless you're picking up the tab, my friend, then I'll go ahead and I'll wear the orange jersey or the gray
1: jersey. Who do you think that you're talking to when we went to dinner on my twins' birthday and when it came time for the the Minnesota twins? You had no arms. It's like you're in a straight jacket. Excuse me. You offered I'm going ahead to take of time. Care of, you. of course I will take care of you. Don't you pull come out the alligator
2: man. arms here? Don't you don't go there? But he friend. didn't pull out alligator arms. He said no arms. He said no, no, no arms. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and what he's forgetting is, it was hooking him up at the fine suite at the Cosmopolitan, overlooking the the Bellagio. He's saying you took care of that? He's saying you were wearing a shirt
3: with no sleeves because you didn't need sleeves. Wow, <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs>
1: I'm just. I'm just saying if it is the Astros and the Rays again, the sequel, it will be fascinating because but, you won't be able to have any garbage cans banged
2: on. To hold the, on, the Kenny position. Bayless. Kenny Bayless, will you come in here and, and, and take a point away? Uh, low. I'm still bent over. I get five minutes to recover from the low blow here. I mean, <laughs> Kenny Bayless has deducted a point from you, T.J. Reeves. <laughs> All I know
1: is if they're playing, you need to return to home game. I'm just throwing that down okay. right now on the T.C. Martin Show, while you're making plans to be back in Houston. I mean, look, we know the, the basketball team is horrible. The football team is horrible with the Deshaun Watson fiasco. The only thing they have right now is the Astros. Meanwhile, in Tampa Bay, we have the two-time cup champions. We have the Buccaneers as the defending Super Bowl champion, and we have the Rays as the defending American League champions. you got to come to Tampa Bay, brother, and return the home game after I was out in Vegas. That's all I, I'm saying.
2: I understand that. Okay. All right, there, it is a home and home going on here. Though
3: Houston is a little bit of a middle ground for you guys to meet. That's what I was saying exactly. <laughs> and TJ, I don't
2: know if you've ever been there before. You get to experience the. Uh... I've been there a bunch. There you go. I have been there a bunch. Have you ever had uh, dinner they, they with say Dusty are Baker bigger
1: in Texas?
2: <laughs> so I, I don't have a
1: problem with going to Texas, but right. do I? Do God. I? I mean, I realize you can hook me up with uh, with whatever you have with the Astros, and may- maybe you know you're going to be the guy down trying to bang on the trash can or whatever to help him signal the next time stop, around. Stop. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, come to the Tampa Bay area, come to Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, get a little Tampa Bay love.
3: Now, wait, I, I, I'm a little bit confused here. How is he banging on the trash can mm-hmm. if he's got no arms? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
1: It's only when the check comes out, Frank.
2: There are only there. Are, there are no trash cans anymore. Okay, Let, let's be clear. That, that I mean, I know your music, and you're not like a headbanger, so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the TJ Reeves, look where you took the segment today—right to the trash. You did, right to the toilet. All Which right.
3: is kind of fitting because you're going to see the twins, and they're you know <laughs> yeah. right in that same room. <laughs> there
2: it is, the twins, trash cans. <laughs> you know, there's the initials. There he goes.
3: You need a trash can to take out the trash,
2: right? I would love to come to to Tampa <laughs> Bay. I would I would love. To do that, uh, it's been a long time since I've been there. I'm not crazy about going to Tropicana Field, but of course I got to go to a game. Uh, do that, maybe work it in where I get to see a Bucks game. Now you're talking. There you go. Now you're talking. There you
3: trip. go. So, maybe do a little a, a little boating down the uh, down the river and have a couple of drinks like Tom Brady. Yeah, and, and remember right. this: if you drop something in the in in the river, the Twins are low enough that they can probably bring it back up to you because they're waiting <laughs> at the bottom anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Then, then again, we might, might see one of your hockey players down there still. You're trying to come up for air. (laughs) Kucherov, hey, that guy in Vegas isn't in Vegas anymore. (laughs) 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 Kucherov. Yes.
1: Can we talk about that for 2.9 seconds? I know you want to move on to other things, but how beautiful is it that he disparages Marc-Andre Fleury and, like, all of Las Vegas and the night fans are insulted right up to the point in time that he's never going to play a game for you again. Mm. All right, so that's that's the – on a terrible Tuesday, that's a fitting end to all the criticism – of uh, Stanley Cup champion, two-time champion Nikita Kucherov. That's terrible.
2: And what do you guys think uh, of what I posted today? You saw that with uh, with Fleury trying on the, uh, the new Hawks. twenty-nine Blackhawks yeah. Hawks jersey, What'd the red one. Yeah. What do you think of
3: that? It looks a little strange, doesn't it? Uh, I I think they're going to sell some of them. Is yeah. what I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Fleury's going like, yeah, okay, I can do this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I
3: think he's a big upgrade for Malcolm Subban in it for the yeah. Blackhawks.
2: Goes from the black and gold uh, with Pittsburgh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the charcoal, steel, gray, whatever. And, I still remember being
1: on the show, and I think it was a terrible Tuesday, when the Lightning opened the season with the Blackhawks with no fans as the NHL began, and Frank was declaring the season over after two games. And I said, yes. Frank, come on, the season cannot be over after two games. But Frank knew. Frank knew about the Blackhawks. Yes, Oaks.
3: I I saw the roster beforehand, and I saw the goaltending tandem. The, the right. youngster came in and played well, but uh, not well enough with the team around him. All right, he is T.J. Reeves. declare it over
1: after two games, I mean, that's a little early in the in, in the year, even for the Blackhawks. i am point that okay, out. Okay,
2: T.J. Reeves from Tampa Bay. Uh, before we get uh, your take on the Buccaneers uh, training camp that's going on here, uh, we're going to let you take your 2.9 seconds and give me – your vent of what has disgusted you the most, whether it's television coverage or uh, a certain event of these 2020 Olympic Games in
1: 2021? Yeah, well, uh, I I, I think I need more than 2.9 seconds, but I'll just say this. Can we we do away with spending 15 minutes on surfing, uh, rock climbing, all of these things that have nothing to do with what we want to see, like track, like the swimming, like the basketball has been on the Peacock Network, and nobody has that. Nobody can see the games. Let's, let's show some of that. So I, I'm just going to vent about that. And including in the track, like they don't even show the field competition, the shot put, the javelin, the high jump, or whatever. We had an American female win the gold medal in the discus, and she was literally on camera less than a minute. With what they were showing last night, as this is her big moment to win a gold medal, she's been working her whole life in, in anonymity, and they're barely showing it. So yes, on the coverage, let's stop showing the ridiculous stuff uh, and giving that airtime for fifteen minutes or twenty minutes, and let's get back to the things that we kind of that, that we at least sort of care about. There you go. But There's you do have map. to be
3: excited about the seventeen-year-old in the two hundred meter that uh, looks uh, like I'm he's going to hit you. the podium. All right.
1: Let, let's talk about this for just a second, and then I know you want to move on. The kid's name uh, is uh, Arian Guyton, and he is a, a fantastic story from Hillsborough. Uh, Knighton, I'm sorry, not Guyton, Arian Knighton. Knighton is a fantastic story from Hillsborough High School in Tampa, 17 years of age. Much like T.C. Martin, this is how he rolls. He's already got a seven-figure deal with Adidas as a 17-year-old. So he is no longer eligible to compete in high school or college athletics in track anymore. That's the potential for this kid, and so the race is tomorrow morning. It'll be around five. I know you're good. Well, TC might be up. You know, after the massage, the croissants, uh, the grapes, everything that you get going with in the morning, the coffee. Um, It will be around five forty-five Pacific time, eight forty-five Eastern time. Adjust your time zone in Japan accordingly. Because uh, uh, Knighton goes for 200 meter gold as a 17 year old, and you talk about some wheels. The kid has got some wheels. A high school student from Bro- Tampa
3: broke running. Usain Bolt's mm-hmm. under 18 record. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean he can. If you watch the semi final uh, heat replay on social media when they show a highlight at about. The 125-meter mark, he's looking around like, I've got this one. Is anybody going to challenge me while I have it on cruise control here? So that just tells you he may be looking at world record material in the final tomorrow morning, our time in the United States, uh, going for the 200 meters. We took silver in the 100 meters, and now um, Knighton is going to have a chance to win a gold medal as a 17-year-old in track. Let's see
2: what happens. Uh, get your facts straight. Number one, no coffee for me, and my deal is with Nike, not Adidas. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right. So, anyway, um, that's T.J. Reeves, ladies and gentlemen. We ran out of time. No training camp update. We have the guy on from Tampa Bay. No, <laughs> but we do have Tom Brady's birthday. What do you want to say about that? You he's 44 a nice letter? years
1: old. He's 44 <laughs> years old, and he's still throwing the football around. And, look, and by all accounts, and I, I have seen a bunch of this. This past week, he still looks good with Zip on the football. Uh, It's been a lot of rain in the Tampa Bay area, so the Bucs have had to practice inside the last couple of days. But it is hot here. They're getting in shape, and they're getting ready for those Dallas Cowboys. I leave you with this on a terrible Tuesday. Jerry Jones was complaining on the NFL Network the other day, live from Cowboys camp, about uh, all the – The talk of the Super Bowl Buccaneers and the Cowboys might as well not show up. And he said, we're just, we're going to get together. We're going to get together. We're going to pray that we get the courage to show up. Is this the point in time that I mentioned on the T.C. Martin show in Departing? Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls since the last time the Cowboys were in the game, in the Super Bowl.
2: And and why are we playing this song? Tell me why. See, we stumped him. This is what uh, Giselle had pin- uh, penned a letter to Tom Brady on his birthday and uh, what was reciting the words to this song. And you know <laughs> it very well, T.J. Reyes. Frankie Valley in a Four Seasons. So go ahead and oh. sing along, T.J. Reyes, and sing happy birthday to your boy who you despised two years ago, but now you love the guy. We
1: welcome him into the Buccaneer family. Super Bowls have a great way of changing allegiances. There's no doubt about that. It's outside, amazing.
3: Outside of Giselle, I think TJ might have the uh, biggest crush
2: on Tom Brady right now. That's it. <laughs> oh, Just baby. 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 <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, let's try to have you on again when maybe we can actually say TJ Reeves live from uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp.
3: Or how about TJ Reeves and uh, T.C. Martin live from Minute Maid Park? Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's oh, wait, what we're I'll... talking
2: about. There you go. Or, or the Trop, the orange juice box. There it is. To be continued. All right, brother. Be good, man. We'll talk to you soon.
1: We always love hanging out, especially on a terrible Tuesday on the T.C. Martin Show. If it's possible, you boys behave. And whenever you need any updates from Champa Bay, (laughs) let me know.
2: That's it. We'll go to Todd Grassley, our our on-the-spot correspondent. (laughs) Buck Power Paul is going to be upset that you said that. (laughs) Did did T.J. hang up? Did he not hear that? Because he would have loved that shot. Another one of our loyal listeners from, from Tampa Bay. I
3: think the twins were hungry.
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I hope, hope the Minnesota twins aren't going to be hungry this
3: weekend. Oh, you, you, you can have a hunger, uh-huh. um, but if you, if you don't
2: have any money, you can't necessarily feed it. Good for you. See, Frankie Valley Four Seasons is part of our growing now 20% of our albums that we share together. Uh, Jersey Boys was a great show. Yeah. All right, we come back. Chuck Esposito's going to join us. Station Casinos. And we've got more Terrible Tuesday takes. Don't you dare go anywhere.